Welcome to Executive Tools, our inaugural edition. Folks, I'm Mark Horseman, one of the co-founders of Manager Tools, and I'm here with Dan McGuire. Uh, many of you who are listeners are longtime community members. We're recording this in our 16th year of service to you and the broader management and executive community and professional community, too. And uh, you've heard Dan's name mentioned before, um, you, usually in a friendly way on the podcast over the years. He's been a client. He's become a friend of ours. We've mentioned his name so many times, we think, um, well, we know of one instance where he was walking across Broadway in New York City and nearly got run down by a car because we mentioned his name. And Dan is a, an executive with uh, some considerable background. I won't bore you with his CV. Needless to say, he's been in finance and technology for the last, Dan, is it 30 years? Is it safe to say 30 years? Yeah, safe to say. Safe to say. Actually, it's more than that, isn't it, Dan? A little bit. Yeah, a little bit. Okay, good. That was nice. I like the way you did that. Um, and um, the name of this cast is The Executive Waypoint, part one. And this cast came out as an idea when Dan presented at RM conference and absolutely blew people away uh, in, in 2019 with his idea um, for how to go into what he called a hot LZ. And then with the continuation of the M conference with the speaker series, he gave a talk about the executive waypoint. And frankly, it was so good. And when I dug into it, he only had an hour. Uh, because of the format. But as I dug into it, there was more and more and more. And this is something Dan's been doing for years. And I have to tell you, folks, the number of executives, there were maybe 50 people in the audience that day when he presented, the number of people who have written me, there, probably 40 of them have written to me. And I know at least 20 who are already doing waypoints. Mike and I, Dan, I, I don't know if we mentioned it to you, are talking about our own waypoint and doing it jointly, separate from whatever we're going to do individually. Super powerful stuff, something that every executive ought to be doing on a regular basis. So, Dan McGuire, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Mark. Uh, yeah. You've been talking about executive tools for a long time. This is pretty exciting stuff. Yeah, I think some people were getting mad at me. Like, yeah, okay, <laughs> we're planning on doing it. And like, hey, well, when are you going to do it? When are you going to do it? I said, well, it's not like I'm charging you for it and then not giving it to you. <laughs> um, busy frying other fish. Okay. So, um, Dan, it might be great if before you tell the story of how this came to be and how you developed it. And by the way, there's a whole nother cast we could do about how managers and executives so often believe that somebody else has the answer. And what I love about this is you didn't have to worry about whether anybody else had the answer. You developed this for yourself. And then after you did it a number of times, you realized how powerful it was. And it's very organic that you came up with it. It's not something you learned at HPS or Tufts or, you know, Kellogg or whatever. But I think before we tell the story of how you got there and then start digging into the details, will you first just spend maybe one minute, nothing more, maybe just a few sentences? What is an executive waypoint? It's for executives and I guess other people who carry a burden of leadership, right? Okay. Um, it's a method for gaining perspective or clarity and then creating some positive change. This really comes out of a time when I was super overwhelmed, Mark. I was really stressed. Yeah. yeah. And that's where it, where it kind of came out of. Um, and I knew that I needed to change course. I was 
going, I was, I was kind of really just reactive mm-hmm. and I knew I needed not to good change. for an executive, not good for an executive. Yeah. No, it, it, it wasn't. Although it's common. Oh, dude, I'm not saying it's not common. I get that. You know, I was, I, it, what's our saying about managers in the land of the blind and one-eyed person is king or queen. Exactly. Yeah. Well, yeah. But, but do, do me a favor though. You described the process you go through, but give me a couple of sentences on what you're talking about. I, I, I'm thinking about spending a couple of days, right? T- yeah. Tell us briefly at a high level, what it looks like so that they're not wandering through the forest until we finally describe it. Okay. Um, what it looks like is first off, you need to pull in a lot of stuff from your life. Okay. Wait, wait, go back, go back, go back. So, so the, folks, if you don't know, this is a case where we're doing the first one ever and Dan and I are old friends. And so I'm, I'm just leading along, but I'm talking about, you're suggesting Dan, that people spend a couple of days, yeah. probably at a minimum once a year. And there's a process you've developed that mm-hmm. has worked well for you, yep. which with some preparation you do some analyst, some analysis of where you are, where you've been, and where you want to go, and then you make some decisions. And it is the doing that in a set period of time by yourself with a hundred percent focus over a couple of days has given you enormous insights and helped has helped your career a great deal. Yeah, it's yeah. even it's even okay. easier than that, Mark. I'm talking about one full day. A one full day, one even full oh, day. dude. Now okay. I'm in your back pocket. So, yeah, uh, leading up to that day, probably an hour a day for a week. Okay, okay. for gathering. Okay, but one full day, and I mean, you know, of doing something that's completely foreign to the busy executive. Right, is sitting, imagine alone, <laughs> right, <laughs> unplugged, <laughs> in a room with a bunch of things you pulled together, and thinking through. How does this all fit together to me and distilling it yeah. down to some pretty big decisions well, you're going to well, make? Well, I would argue, you you say one day, and I'm happy that it's not two days, but I would argue that the vast majority of our listeners that are thinking I'm a manager, want to be an executive, our own executive, they probably think I have to go to a week-long retreat and really <laughs> resist. And what you're saying is you do the right prep and you only need a day, yeah. which if you can't if you can't spend a day, you've got so many other problems that a waypoint won't help you, right? But you'd be surprised at how many people yeah. will say, "Wow, you just came in hot this last meeting, this last couple yeah. of days. Like, what? What did you We're do, not, man? Yeah." And I was like, "Oh, here's what I did. I yeah. took a week, did this, you know, an hour a day, and I sat down for a full a full day, dude. I can't do that." That's it. I just, can't do that. I'm too yeah, busy. Can't do that. I'm, can't do that. I, I'm so I'm such a busy person. Yeah. I don't know. I'll get some other people to tell you how busy I am. Yeah, it's too much. I actually have, you could probably see it, Dan. And since we're recording this on using uh Zoom, there is a next to my Dodger cap up on the thing, there is a nameplate, and it's the nameplate says, I am very busy. It was a gift <laughs> from Wendy. Um, okay. All right. So good. That's what we you're gonna lead us through. But I told you that I really like the story about how this came to pass. So take a minute and tell us the origin story. Yeah. Well, it it, start, it goes all the way back to 2002, Mark, when you were like four years old, right? Yeah. 2002. <laughs> and um, I was going to night school, for my master's, um, oh. and I encountered this brutal class called CIO or CTO seminar. And it was all about teaching, you know, 
technology managers, aspiring executives, how to be a chief technology officer, a chief information officer. It was a really cool class, but it was brutal. And (laughs) the whole segment of the class was basically the professor handed out some scenarios and said, go away for a week and come back in and present these to me. I will be the CEO or the board of directors, depending on the case. And you have to convince me to do what you want me to do, whether it be- That's exactly exactly what he should have done as as a class exercise. Yeah, believe me, this is one class I have come back to a thousand times. It was a really good class. But can you imagine the first couple of weeks in this class? Uh, All right. Just gasping, casting for straw, casting around for straw. He was great. I think my first, my first hammering people. My first one, and and I got paired up with with a partner, and I'll talk about that in a minute. I came in and I had to uh, request to build a testing program, a special testing program for an internet set of internet applications, right? Okay. Shouldn't be that hard. Right. I think I was 30 seconds in and he went, stop, I can't stay awake. (laughs) 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 And and he was, he he meant stop, go sit down, you're done. Yeah. That was it. Yeah. Yeah. He said, you used big words. And you're circling around, and it's just, I, I can't take it, or else I won't be able to listen yeah. to anybody else tonight. Yeah, so that's bad. the way CEOs are. Yeah, yeah. So, so this is the professor. Um, anyway, okay. after the first night, he said, pair up. Um, I reached over to the gentleman next to, next to me at the end of class. I said, my name is Dan. He said, my name is Ben. And we decided to work together. Right. Turns out, Mark, I'm at an online brokerage. I run application development. This guy's got the same job as my competitor, <laughs> right? Oh and my, this is literally good. half a mile from where I work. Okay, right? so um, you know we had a laugh over that, and we were do all we were dealing with the same things. Both of our firms are in the middle of like mid-sized mergers. We're both coming out of the dot-com bubble, so we're cutting costs like crazy. We're doing this thing called outsourcing and offshoring <laughs> in two thousand two. There's no WebEx. There's no right. video conference for the masses, Whew. right? So we're, we we just started talking about the things we were struggling with. And he had two young boys, and I had Dana and Lauren were babies. Right. You know, they were small. Yeah. Right? So um, we had a lot in common, and we hit it off. We approached this class together. We got our butts kicked together. Mm-hmm. We recovered together, and we did well in the class. Mm-hmm. Okay. So at the end of the course, um, we decided, you know what? We deserve a beer. Um, right. One beer. We picked a night. <laughs> no, not really. But we picked a night where, you know, it was a Friday night. We, we were able to go out after work. We went uh, downtown New York City, this little alley called Stone Street. And we sat in a pub, watched the snow come down on the cobblestones, and proceeded to fill up our little table with empty beer bottles. Yeah. Okay. And uh, – and you can imagine it was about the class and how bad yeah, how bad yeah. we were. It was about our families. But then it became a little bit about work. Right? It got a little dark, Mark. <laughs> a little dark. Dark Mark. It was dark yeah, Mark. Okay. it was it was dark Dan and dark Ben. It was it was oh my gosh. Outsourcing is brutal and these partners are tough to deal with. And I don't know about you, but 
we're rolling new things out on the internet. The design patterns are nascent. <laughs> we're just trying to figure this stuff out. Right. Um, there was a lot of turnover. Um, mm -hmm. It was just, you know, we were just talking about all those things. And it came down to overwhelm. Yeah. Okay. Um, and, sure. it, you know, we, we brought it up for the end of the night. You know, we talked to some people in the bar. We had some laughs. We said goodnight. Ben goes home to his apartment. And he's got the 20-minute Upper East Side subway ride piece of cake. Right? Yeah. Right. I have the loser one-hour 20-minute local New Jersey transit train ride. Right? Yeah. He goes home, Mark. He sits down on his couch with his wife and says, I can't do this anymore. Oh, my. And she says, Ben, neither can I. This job is killing you. Now, we're in our 30s. Huh. We're in our 30s. Yeah. Yeah. And 30 days later, a month later, calls me at work. And he says, hey, Dan, guess what? I said, what? He goes, I'm done. Moving to the West Coast. <laughs> got a new job at a software company. And that was the end. Come out to the coast. We'll have a few laughs. That, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that became, for him, he was on one course that night. And by the end of yeah. that night, he was on a different course. Yeah. Okay. A waypoint in a bar. Yeah. Right? Right. Yeah. But by the way, let's help people. A lot of people don't know nautical or military or naval stuff. What is a waypoint? It, it's just a simple reference point that helps us know where we're going, right? It's the point okay. at which we end one course, Mark, and we begin a new course. So, so for instance, if I, if I chartered a plane that was flying from LaGuardia to London, there are parts where it's going straight and then it goes over a VOR or whatever and it changes direction. Sure. When that when it changes direction, that's a waypoint. Yeah. Yeah. So you, yeah. you would probably okay. have six waypoints programmed in before you left, you know, one yes. over Gander, yeah. Newfoundland, another one over Iceland, yeah. another one. And yeah. you yeah, and you said earlier that you were reactive. And and what what I know from previous conversations, that that whole reactiveness. You're almost like in the middle of a rushing river and you're just sort of one of the logs going down the river at, at flood tide kind of thing. And the waypoint says, no, no, I'm going to decide where I am and then I'm going to decide where I want to go. Um, that That's, am I saying it right? Yeah, it, you are. It, it's it's pulling yourself up and looking around. Right. As a log, right. right? Now, Mark, it's not like the first time I did this, I did it intentionally. <laughs> Right. I no, mean, no, no. I get that. Yeah. I, I don't. Yeah. No, no. Look, I think a lot of improvements that we make, a lot of these organic improvements that we've all made in our careers, we try something. We're like, okay, I'll try this. It doesn't make a lot of sense. And what do you know? A month later, I'm doing it, and I'm like, okay, that's a that's a big plus for me. That's yeah. a that's a time saver, or it's an effectiveness improver, or whatever. Yeah. So I kind of stumbled yeah. upon it, right? And you know when it started, Mark, on that long train ride home, right? Yeah, and, okay. And, and the reason why I did the thinking on the train ride was because usually if I after I went out for a few beers, I'd sleep through my stop, <laughs> right? Uh, so I, I'm like, I have to stay awake. So I pulled out a notepad and I said, we talked about a lot of things going on in our firms. Let me start writing down some of this stuff because Ben had some good ideas. Okay. All right, good. So I just started writing down some of the things we spoke about, some of the ideas that Ben had, 
some of the ideas that I had. And it led me to page after page of things that I could kind of start doing and things I needed to look into. All right. So at one point I looked up and, you know, I'm still 40 minutes away from home. I went back and started writing down things about my career. Right. So now I'm thinking about bigger picture things. Right. I'm just throwing things down on the notepad. I get off the train. I walk home. And Francine's at home. My wife, Francine, who you know well. Um, Yeah. And um, I sat down with her and I didn't do a Ben. I didn't say, I can't do this anymore. I'm done. I said, I've been doing a lot of thinking and I need to make some changes. So it was kind of a, a start on that. Yeah, yeah. And, and Francine said, well, you know, she was like, what are you talking about, right? <laughs> and I said, yeah. um, I said, um, just with work and everything that's going on, you know, I feel like uh, I'm, I'm, I'm overwhelmed and I have to make some changes to, to make it better. She said, good, that's a good idea. We're going to talk about this later in the week. We're going to bed now, right? Yeah, okay. So a few nights later, I sat down and I said, I still want to talk about that. And I said, how am I doing with the girls as a dad. I feel like I'm at the right. big events and I'm doing this. Right. And she was like, eh, okay. <laughs> so. Wow. So okay. she, she gave me some feedback, Mark. Um, yeah. And uh, some things I needed to hear. The same week I went in to my boss, Rich, and I said to him, I want to talk to you about some of my blind spots. And he said, funny, I want to talk to you about some of your blind spots. <laughs> Right? Oh my. So we had, you know, we had a good conversation. Um, so I had a bunch of kind of hard hitting conversations that week. And the following Saturday, it's like about a week later here, Francine t- takes the girls out to go to a party for the day. And okay. I have the yeah. dining room table. I got a pot of coffee and I sat down, laid everything out. And I kind of said, I have everything in front of me right now to start thinking through some changes. What are some of my big goals? Okay, Okay. so here are some lessons I learned during that week. One, my boss told me, you are so busy with production issues, workforce management, outsourcing, and all those other things. You realize we're in the middle of a merger, right? We were acquiring a a, medium-sized firm. He said, you're not not at the table with me. You run application development? And you're not at the table with me. You need to fix that. He didn't offer any suggestions. Yeah. He just said, you need to fix that, which is what I would expect. Right. right. Yeah. Okay. So that was one of my I will statements. I will free up some time for M&A activity. Francine taught me something. She said, you know, you're not as predictable at making events as you think you are. And huh. sometimes when you're there, you're, you're a Blackberry there. guy. Yeah. And um, I would really like you to be a little bit more predictable. So the next thing I wrote down was, I'm going to be more predictable for my family. Now, predictable doesn't mean I need to be at everything. Right. It just yeah, needs yeah. to. That's not, yeah. So let her know, you know? Yeah. Uh, let oh, the yeah. girls know, you know? People don't talk about predictability very much, but predictability and trust really go well together. Yeah. They really do. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know. I wasn't, uh, I wasn't doing as good a job as I could have been at that point. And then uh, one of the people I ran into that week when I was doing all this thinking was the head of HR, who was, still is a good friend of mine. 
and uh, we were talking about the uh, engagement survey. And oh, okay. I was happy because once again, my team did very well in the engagement survey. Mm-hmm. And she said, you know, Dan, I will say this. She goes, you've been under a lot of stress and there's a little cynicism that's kind of sunk into you and your team lately. I'm seeing it. It doesn't show up on the survey because there's a big oh, time lag. Yeah, this, oh but I'm seeing okay. a little bit and it worries me because that doesn't seem like you. Are you happy? Are yeah. you okay? Um, so one of the things I had, the last statement I put is I will create more, I will go back to more of a culture of learning and positivity. Right? Okay, good. So yeah. learning and positivity, predictability for my family, and strategy time for my boss. Those are three things I wanted to do. Right. And you know, I went through all my notes and it came up with a couple of very simple decisions. Actually, it was two very simple decisions that made me feel so good <laughs> that by the end of that day, when, <laughs> when Francine came home, I said, you know what? I feel pretty good. The people who report to me may not tomorrow, but right, I feel right. good right now. Right, I said I'm gonna I'm gonna right. put some people off balance, but I feel like I, I you know I'm uh, I'm getting this, and uh, I went in the next day and I was on my front foot. I'll be honest with you, Mark, this changed my career. Yeah, I mean, you know, I don't think anybody would have expected you to say that sentence right there. I mean, you might have said it changed my year or whatever, but <sighs> change your career. It was the ultimate waypoint in terms of like going from flat to suddenly going Northeast, right? It's like, okay. Yeah. Um, It's the reason you're here is in part because you've told me repeatedly how important this process was to you in terms of getting on the front foot. And probably you didn't say it at the time, but when I heard you talk about, you know, you felt like you were reactive, you and I, I would assume you agree with me that there's nothing about being an executive that reactive is good. (laughs) Right. No, it, 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 it wasn't good. And it only took one periscope peak, you know, at, at yeah. night for an afternoon for me to feel really, really good that I could make some. Yeah. Change. And and I would argue that you there's a little bit of luck here because you had the conversation with Ben. And then Francine was kind enough to share with you, hey, you're maybe not as good in that area. And then you walked in thinking you wanted to talk about blind spots with your boss, but your boss was already prepared. So you had a nice little cocktail there, Yeah. but that doesn't matter because what I think what you're going to tell us is we can recreate that for ourselves by the gathering, the preparation process. Yeah, we can. And and I have. Yeah. Yeah. Other people repeatedly. This is, yeah, you could do this. So you're saying you've been doing this for 18 years or 17 years, something like that. I did this for, well, I've been doing it since then, but for the first, say, six years, it was really episodic, Mark. It was when I felt like I needed it. So maybe I'd skip a whole year, but then I would get a whole department that I didn't have before. (laughs) Yeah. I would make sure that it took time. And it wasn't really a process at first. It was more of a, I need thinking time. And whenever I have thinking time, that means I need to have conversations first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. But it was later when it was around 2007 um, that I I started saying, you know what? I do this over and over again. 
I should just have a checklist. Yeah. You know, and just do this, do this the same way. And then I realized there's this special little time at a financial firm between Christmas and New Year's when all of a sudden every conference room is available. Oh my. So in this particular case, the physical location was perfect for it, right? You you yeah. you own the room. Yeah. I would I would it would be a vacation day, quote unquote vacation day. Yeah, right. I would slither into the office, jump into a, a nice conference room somewhere with a big old table. And and, and, I'd, and I'd just I'd re, spread out. I'd redo the process again and yeah. again and again. So 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 we've got this nice you you had an awareness, right? And yeah. and then in addition, you did some work to prepare yourself for this. I, did. I, I think you told me there were four steps, as I recall. Yeah. You, essentially, what you've done is you realized after a couple of years, this thing, it's powerful. It's making an enormous difference. You said it made a difference in your career. Mm-hmm. And so because you're a leader, because you are naturally a teacher, you have always been to, to your teams since we've known you, you have figured out how to share this with other people, which uh-huh. is what you want to do here. Yeah. Okay, yeah. good. So tell me the big picture, the four steps. I mean, now help me do this. That's what that, I mean, tell the thousands and thousands and thousands of listeners, no pressure, dude. <laughs> what are your steps? Yeah. Well, you were nice enough not to say, and you systematize it because you're inherently lazy and didn't want to have this conversation over and over and over again. Right. <laughs> So um, I do. I will say though, as much as I'm a high eye, I do love checklists. I like routinizing, making routine parts of my life that don't. And I don't need to recreate the checklist every year. I don't need to recreate my process every year. What's important to me is not the checklist. What's important to me is the insights I get. Yeah. So I want to routinize the checklist so exactly. that I can maximize my insights. Exactly. Yeah. And I started out liking checklists because I'm, I have a little high C in me, right? Yeah, you do. But now I like them because I don't remember stuff that well. Yeah. Right? yeah. That's <laughs> something to do with your chronological age. Exactly. So, yeah, four steps, Mark. Okay. The first yeah. one, okay. and look, the most important one is, you know, if you don't go past this one, if you, if you, don't, get, if you don't do this one, you don't do it, right? Is you have okay. to determine to do it by making the space to do it. But, but when I say space, I mean physical time. space. You don't mean physical space. You mean no, time. I mean the space in your life, the space okay. on my Outlook calendar. So, so let's say I'm feeling a little bit like I'm a senior manager. I'm a director. I want to be more of an executive for good reason. I'm a good person. I, I'm a manager, tools fan, I'm ethical, responsible leader, and feel I have more to give. And so I, I I feel like this might be the thing for me, and I'm okay. going to do it. But what? How much? How much space do you mean? How much time? Well, like I said, it's probably let's call it for me. It's usually 13, 12, 13 hours. Okay, and here and here's That's what not yeah, it's totally doable. Yeah, and the willingness yeah. to have very frank discussions as well. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Right? But you know, well, it, I, I'll tell you something. Yeah, go ahead. I I, I, I was going to say. 13 hours with the way I would do it. I would do it a little differently than you. I, 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 I need to hear from you about the frank conversations, but the Mm -hmm. way I would do it is I would take a whole week and I do that just to remind everybody that ain't nobody indispensable. If I decide to take a week off, if I can't, if I can't take a week, that means I can't take a week for my family. I mean, I can't, I mean, 
there's nobody who lives that way in a sustainable way for more than a year. Nobody. Yeah. You can't do it. Mm-hmm. So what you, what ends up happening is people tell themselves they can't take the time. Right. If you made them take the time, like they got in a car accident, they would discover that when they came back, the hole where they were has basically been filled up by somebody else. And mm-hmm. maybe there's a little bit of bobble here or there, but in the big scheme of things, no. But they never learn that lesson, Dan. They never learn that lesson. They will spend the rest of their career saying, I can't take a week off. Even though they got hit by a car, they were out for two weeks, nothing blew up. Yeah, they had some messes to clean up afterwards, but people may do as best they could while feeling sorry and worrying about you and coming by and visiting. But people say, oh, I can't. The next week, the guy will say, I can't take a week off. Exactly. I think it was Eisenhower who said something about, you know, take a bucket of water, put your fist in it. Now pull it out. Yeah. The hole that's yeah. left there is the hole that you that's leave. Your impact. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Okay. So number one, I've got to decide to do it and I've got to be willing to devote some time to it. You have to decide. And, and yeah. look, you have to be willing to do the things that mediocre leaders don't like to do if you want yeah. to be a really good one. You have to confront your weaknesses and confront right. your misses. And, yeah. And, yeah. and that's, that's, that's hard thinking. Right. right? It's not just yeah. the time but this is going to hurt a little. Yeah. Okay. Um, Good. Okay. Good. uh, Like going to the gym. Okay. The next thing, there are some very specific preparation steps that you need to do. And this is, I will get into those, right? Yeah, I will. It's important because I learned a trial and error, you know? Okay. And I've got to put together a, here's a list of good things, you know? Yeah. Um, Okay. Then there's the core process. That one day, there are some things you need to do. You need to, like dump a bunch of insights out of these things and then pull it back together and make some decisions. Right. And there's there's a good way to do it. Ultimately, you have to make the decisions, but there's a really good way to a really good framework, I, w- I would say, for doing it that can get you there. Can, can I let me let me just I, I I part of my job is to know what our audience is thinking or to at least to surmise it to a reasonable degree. I have a feeling that what some people will be thinking when you just said that thing about rerouting is this. They would say, Okay, I get it, but I worry a little bit that even though I do all this preparation and uh-huh. I look at it and I try to get these insights, I'm worried that the insights I'll get will be wrong, that I can't trust my own judgment. I can't do a willow moment and, and say, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust myself and do what I believe is right after analyzing all this stuff. So let me just try to reassure them a little bit. When you think back over all the times you've done it, maybe the simple answer is a risky question, but those are good ones. <laughs> How often have you been wrong? Of all the insights you've gotten, are there 10 or are there 50? I mean, I assume in some years there's more than one. And how often did you walk in and your boss say no? Okay. Or let's let's take a let's take a point of definition here, Mark. Okay. Okay. The insights are nothing more than things that come out of all the documents you have. There are many. Okay. Okay. The decisions you make to change your course, there are few because those are few. Okay. Right. How how often have I been wrong with decisions? Yeah. Oh, geez, Mark. Um, Yeah, I know. But people don't know you as well as I know you. You, you, What you will say is all of them were wrong. Because you're so self-effacing, no. As opposed to you're, you, I mean, you're not here in order to share a, a, a tool with thousands of people that you, you wouldn't 
say is maybe the most important tool you've ever come across in your life. It is. So I want to reassure those people who are fearful. I mean, I can tell them you and I are normal. We're just like them. We don't have any special magical extra brain. I got good. I got good. They're worried they're going to get it wrong. No, you know what? I would say that at first, uh, and and by wrong, first of all, every one of the decisions that I made was right in my heart. Okay. Okay. And it was a right business decision to make. I ran it past my manager. I ran it past other people. It was the right decision. Where I sometimes ran into trouble, especially early on, was the second order effects. Right. Yeah. Okay. I made this decision. I used these people to do it. The vacuum that moving them caused caused me problems that I did not anticipate. Okay. Yeah. So I built questions like that into the process. Yeah. What's the impact of doing this? Exactly. Yeah. Good. So so early on, I definitely had some. Look, these are big decisions. I'm going to outsource this entire line that I have. That's a big decision. Yeah, you don't get to just snap your fingers and do that. Yeah, and and, yeah. and these are the sorts of things that would come out. These are large decisions you're making from many small insights. That's how yeah. it works. Okay, and good. Did I answer the right. question? You did. Okay, okay, so we've made space. We've done, there's some preparation you're going to go did through. Some prep. Then we, then we had the day of the event is the rerouting, right? Yeah, that's kind, that's kind of then, your, yeah, your rerouting, yeah. yeah. And do you also, you, you, you in, in the notes here, you have action plan as the fourth step. Does that also happen on the day? What you're going to do on the day is you're going to come up with your decisions and then you're going to rough them out a little bit. If I'm going to do this, I'll do, I'll take these five steps. Just rough them out. Not a Gantt chart, Mark. Right? Okay. Um, right. But that's all you're going to yeah, do. You look, at, you look at me on Zoom like you, like I love Gantt charts. I do love Gantt charts, but I would, <laughs> but I'm with you. I would rough them out. I wouldn't go yeah, right to it. Just, just rough it out. You know, I'm thinking about outsourcing this. I have to learn that. Pick a person, pick a partner, right. that sort of thing. Right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, but it's the day, it's a day, the next day you're in the office and I don't like making a decision in my head and deferring the actual action because every minute in between there is stress Ooh. for me. Very bad. Right. Yeah. And I know I'm going to do this, so I might as well just do it. So I like to have all the meetings set up ahead of time. Uh, I go in, I'm talking to my boss that day. I'm talking to significant stakeholders and I'm talking to my team. All right. And I'm starting okay. to roll it the first day I'm back. And I right. go. Okay. All right. Yeah. So if you do this over between Christmas and New Year's and everybody's back, say on January 3rd, you're sending emails out the day of or the next day saying, yep. Hey, I want to get in your calendar when everybody's yep. calendars are kind of light and I'm going to need a half an hour. I'm going to walk you through some yep. stuff I've been thinking about. They are talking about bowl games and I'm talking about strategic partnerships. Blows them away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because essentially in the first week of January, at least in, in the US, Everybody's essentially coming off of the holidays. And yeah. so they're the first two or three days are just exactly. And, let's and, see what's happening. Yeah. And yeah. it's the national championship. You got to get past that national championship. Yeah. Day, you, then uh, you can you move do. on. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> Important things. Yeah. Good. Okay. So that's so, the four steps. Um, yeah. Okay. Good. Now, you've told me before this is a self coaching process. Absolutely. That you've taken yourself through and you recommend it. Of course, you're now retired from your exemplary career, although you're also, you have your own consulting firm, mm-hmm. uh, Arcturus Advisory Services. Uh, and in fact, we've partnered with you on executive coaching yep. because people have been asking for me to coach them. And I said, actually, particularly for a lot of folks, and, and when I think of in technology or in finance, you're you're probably better for them just because of the, the industry experience you have. I've done a lot of consulting on Wall Street, but 
you know, if we're talking about a, a fintech person, it would be a no-brainer for them to want to talk to you about management leadership kind of stuff. Um, but the, the idea here is you're, we're going to teach them enough so they can get started and then they can coach themselves to make themselves better over time. Yeah. The, the framework itself provides the things that a coach would provide in the process, Mark. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Good. So, you know, when I think of coaching, right, essentially it's an ongoing dialogue to help a client or a team achieve their objectives, right? It's really just a dialogue. Yeah. yeah. It's a lot of, okay. right. Um, okay. And, you know, the first step is the client has to want assistance, right? Cause you can't coach someone who doesn't want to be coached. <sighs> yeah. Right. Yeah. There are many times I've, I've been hired and said, Oh, I want you to coach this person as the future thus and such. And if that person doesn't want to be coached, I just go back to the person. Yeah. Say, it's yeah. Not gonna yeah. It's they know not what will happen. They know yeah. everything. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, as a coach, I'm going to describe, here's a path to success. And, and if we have an agreement, then we move to the next step. Okay. Right. Okay. I want the client to generate the ideas. All I do is- In other words, here's the path. We agree you're going from A to B. You're going to have to, if you're coaching me, you're going to identify, I'm going to have to identify things I got to do to get to B. Yeah. They say, I want to be CTO and I'll, I'll ask questions to say, hey, so what does that mean to you? And and what things do you think you have to do to get there? Right. Right. They're generating the ideas, Mark. I'm broadening their horizons. Okay. Okay. Good. Yeah. All right. Good. They discover possibilities. I reveal potential. Hey, this one sounds really good. Let's let's explore. Okay. You know? Good. Um, Ultimately, the choices, Mark, they're not mine. I don't own those choices, right? The client owns those choices. I will help them support. I will support them and refine them for them. Let's let's think okay. it through. Let's go through some decision making processes. Got it. Okay. Right. And then once they make the decision, they need to measure their own results because I won't be there forever. Right. It'll be a you know yeah. a limited yeah. engagement, and I just keep them in that evaluating mode, not track. So what okay. I what I've created here, you know, I took the process I went through, and I said, how do I make it so that I put some mechanisms in there that they get all the benefits of having a coach. You know, without actually okay. yeah. paying for a coach. Right. Right. Um, yeah. So, I mean, the most critical step is deciding that you want to do it. Um, and yes, it retires, re- requires a time commitment, 12, 13 hours over a week or two, including that full day process. Yeah. Okay. So, so that 12 to 13 hours does include the full day. It does. Okay. All it right. does. That's it's not, just, it's not I, that I bad. I have to Mark. say. It's not bad. That's not bad. And if you're folks, if you're listening and you're sitting there saying, I can't do it, you, you need it because that is just, you can't be, I mean, you just can't be that reactive. Um, You'll always be that way. And the world will pass you by as an executive and you'll always be somebody who didn't get it. It's really what it boils down to. Okay, good. All right. So, Somebody's listening and they're thinking, okay, I think I want to do this. Um, what are the kind of people that you, when you think about this, that would maybe realize they need it? Um, sometimes people don't realize they need it. They'll just come up to me and say, I'm completely overwhelmed. Right. Okay. So I'm like, I'm so busy. But, but I, at least, but at least they know they're overwhelmed, right? They, they do. They're yeah. A little self-aware. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. Okay. Good. Um, and I'll say, you have no time at all. I say, no. I say, I know what I want you to do. I want you to take a day off. Take time. (laughs) Right. And the look on their face at first 
and then I can kind of get, I can get them through it for sure. Yeah. I can talk them through yeah. it. Yeah. Right. But also look, somebody comes up to me and says, I got a bad review. Oh, okay. Um, uh, yeah. One that happened to me, Mark, is I had a doctor say, you know what? You got a medical issue. You need to ch- make a change. Okay. And I was 35. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. That's one. It could be a conversation with a spouse. You know, there were many circumstances. And Mark, this happened to me. I know this happened to you. I got fired. I mean, I got fired. I got laid off. Yeah. Yeah. I lost my job. Ooh, yeah. That changed things. <laughs> I'll tell you, have a little tangent here. You mentioned fired and then laid off. You know, the whole laid off thing really sort of, I think, is can be, um, what's the word, can be sneakily much worse than getting terminated. Because if you get fired, you know what, and generally you know why, and it's clear. When you get laid off, you could easily say, well, I was just one of several hundred and it has nothing to do with me. And there's no stock taking. There's no review. There is a, an a absolution of responsibility. And I tell people all the time, if you got laid off, you should think of it. You don't have to communicate it that way, but you should think of it as getting fired because they didn't fire their best people. And if you thought you were one of their best people, you're not. And if that's the case, you need to do. You need to take stock. Having been through that process many times that is a very true statement yeah the only just, time, the only exception to that would be the entire company went away yeah sure yeah right yeah. but yeah. other than that it, it's a really good time for reflection yeah yeah okay so obviously executives are incredibly busy um i i you know i know you've done this what do you say to somebody to convince them you're busy, but you need to take a day off, if you will? What I usually say, I mean, I could be snarky and say, oh, you're too busy to reap a massive benefit, you know, and, and set oh. yourself up for success. Oh, but I'm not. But I'm not. You know, yeah, man. you're not that bad. Right? Yeah, I'm not no. that bad. But what I do, I, I, what I do talk to them about is the burden of being an executive. And, you know, what do you think rides Good. on on you? You know, and let's just, you know, you're a dump truck. Let's put everything in the back that's riding on your, the quality of your work right now. Okay. Who? Yeah. Let's start with all of your people. Clunk. Oh, shareholders. Clunk. Customers. Clunk. Your leaders. And the most important people. How about your family, man? Yeah. Right? Dude, that so, gets left out of the equation. So if I'm talking to an executive and she is not, you know, kind of more focused on being busy, it only takes a few minutes to have a quiet conversation and say, you know, let's talk about how important it is. And you tell me the things that ride on you. And I can talk her through that. Usually, we, we uh, look, 98% of the time, uh, in a quiet conversation, I can certainly get them to the fact that, yes, I need to do this. Right. Um, if they're already thinking they want to have a coaching conversation, they have a little bit of a growth mindset with this stuff, Mark. So we can get through that conversation. Yeah, just the fact, yeah. Uh, um, Well, I I will tell you something about busy executives. There is a drive among executives, particularly junior ones, to look busy. And so they take on stuff that may be time-consuming. And they don't understand that when they look up, 
and those executives above them who are busy, those executives don't think of themselves as busy. They think of themselves as focused. Busyness is not a measure that executives think about because, oh, you're a very busy guy. The person who's working on the four things that she only, she knows she has significant advantage to work on them internally in the organization or externally with customers or vendors or whatever. The person who has four things, she decided them, she's, she sold them internally and she's working on those four things. Um, and, and she believes they're the right levers for her role in the organization, however high up it is. That person does not feel busy and they don't talk about being busy. In fact, as a general rule, Anybody who talks about being busy essentially is implying to you that it is about how much you can try to get done in a day. But as an executive, there's not enough time to get everything done in the day. And so therefore, you must make really good choices about what you do. The people that don't talk about busyness are the ones that are thinking about focus. I'm working about three, I'm worried about three things. I'm worried about two things. You know, if you're CEO, it might be one. If you're worried, if you have a CEO who's worried about seven things, you're doomed. Um, <laughs> sorry, I hate to tell you that. I'm afraid a bunch of people are going to write in and say, "Oh my God, I'm doomed." <laughs> but, but, um, yeah, th- this issue of busyness. I, I just have to tell you, uh, uh, for those of you who've been listening for a while, I'll tell you, when somebody, when you, when you catch yourself saying, "I'm just too busy," I'm just telling you, you're wrong. I, I've never had somebody make it through my series of questions when I ask. Okay, tell me what you're working on. Tell me how important it is and so on. And I, I just say, no, 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 no. I just freed up 10 hours of your week. Now, now they don't want to believe that, but busyness is not the, it's just not a criteria. The yeah. people who talk about being busy are literally worried that they're not going to be busy, but the people who are making the right decision don't care how busy they are. Right. Yeah. It, I, I okay. look at it as a currency that, that it does, we don't trade that currency here. Right. Yeah, exactly. Busyness. That's right. It's, right. Yeah, exactly. Okay. You've got to tell me at this point though, you simply have to tell me that the insight we've talked about before, you're still confident that 2020, and by the way, I just want you to know, Dan McGuire, I promised I would never say that number again, <laughs> uh, except as it relates to a famous quote about hindsight, um, but COVID and so on. Yes. There, there has been fundamental disruptions in business models and, and family lives and business lives and operating uh, processes and systems and so on. Surely, right now, there's got to be a massive audience right there that thinking, folks, before you go back to the work, before you go back to the office full time, please take time and do a waypoint about what you've learned and what you know and where you're going and so on. I think so. I did. I mean, right. Just the pressure on executives normally. And then you take digitizing everything. My revenues, oops, are cut in half. Everybody's sure. remote. I have my children home with me and my spouse and I work. And uh, so do my directs. Just, it's just so much, Mark. And, and so many of the people yeah. I speak to now, that's their, that becomes consu- all consuming. Um, yeah. And I do recommend, and it's funny, they're like, they're like, yeah, where am I supposed to go for a waypoint? My car? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? I'm like, eh, yeah, they don't make yeah. dashboards like they used to. I, you know, I don't know. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, a, it's a tough one. But, but ultimately, um, the times when I've been super busy, Mark, and look, I have, 
you have been one of the people over the years that has said, dude, you need to step back and think about it. Yeah. I, I know you're overwhelmed, yeah. but yeah. you would say you need to step back and think about it and you need to break that cycle. And this is, I think, a viable way to do it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and, and part of the reason the cycle, you could probably get away as a frontline manager, as an individual contributor, as a senior manager, as a director with just dealing with the cycle because you're probably feel a little pawn-like in the game. And you probably are a little pawn-like. I certainly was for a long, long time in my career. I look back at it now and I was proud of what I did, but relative to the big organization, I was nobody. The organization didn't really know I existed. But the fact is you simply can't be pawn-like in your thinking and be an executive, right? There's an assumption that when you become an executive, that you simply don't accept this idea that you're an inert part of the organization or that you're you're useful for your small part of the organization. Executives, all the executives together are responsible for the long-term success of the organization. Whether you feel like you can step out and be a leader or not, I would suggest to you, it is now your job. And, and the question becomes, what are you going to do? Not if you're going to do it, because if you don't do it in 18 months, you won't be an executive anymore, right? Right. right. What, what have you learned? What, what, what have you learned about as you made the transition to being an executive? Uh, you were CTO a couple of times. What, what was your? What, what are some of the things you've learned that's helped you think about and and start to get in front of this stuff that led to your ability to do the waypoint? I learned that for me, I accumulate stress. Right. Okay. So I let some go, you know, every week and every, you know. Yeah. But over time, I do rattle it a little bit. I I, I need a tune up. Okay. I become okay. less effective. Um, things. Um, I get into this. Uh, and and let's use the metaphor from thinking fast and slow. Right. The okay. book by Daniel Kahneman. Right. right. Because That's it's the right one. Because it's yeah. an easy metaphor for us to use. Right. right. Okay. System one thinking and system two thinking. System one is that fast, easy, reactive, quick stuff. It's like, it's like a, let's say, uh, two liters of dopamine, right? It's basically, <laughs> it's basically, you know, you're on the way to work. The phone rings in the car. You're on the phone. You're talking about a problem. As soon as you get there, you walk in. Your boss is standing in your office. They send you off in a direction. The regulators are in the house. You go talk to the regulators. You go over here. You go over there. You calm these people down. You talk to your biggest customer. You get back to your desk. There's your coffee sitting there and your lunch, and it's a quarter to five. Yeah. Okay? That's a system one day. Okay? Right. Executives need to We've all think, had them. And we, yeah, but we need to think on our feet, right? If you can't think yeah. on your feet, you're toast. Well, right? I think there are some people who are managers who have nothing but system one days who assume that become executives, they're all going to have system two days, and they don't realize that's not the case. <laughs> it's not no. the case, right? Not the case. A system yeah. two is when somebody says, hey, Mark, there's been a major reorg at the top of the house. What does that yeah. mean for us? Right. And that's when you sit back and you say, you know what? Give me about <laughs> 30 minutes. I want to think this through. Yeah. I, I want to think about other firms. I want to think about right. the divisions coming together. I want to think about the financials. I want to think about margins. And I'll come to yeah. you later on and say, here's what I think. Yeah, okay. here's what we should do. That's yeah. that's system two, right? And as yeah. executives, we have to be able to do both. You have to be able to downshift and upshift. Yeah, All right? yeah. 
So there was Bye. one cl classic day where I was on fire okay. with my biggest customer. And at 5 p.m., I was just starting to get to email <laughs> when somebody walked yeah. in and said, wow, it's so great that you're talking to the interns tomorrow at the breakfast. What are you going to say? <laughs> and my response was, oh, yeah, please go away. I need to sit yeah, down I, for 45 I, minutes and do and some system to thinking. Yeah. Right. Big picture. What do I want to say? Yeah. yeah. So I, I, I did that, but it felt a little bit like running a mile as fast as I could after I ate a Thanksgiving dinner. It hurt. Ooh, ouch. It yeah. hurt. And what happens is as we do, Mark, and you've been, you've been in these situations, right? And I've been in them. If you're in a system one mode a lot, it starts to hurt to sit down and really think. At least I get okay, this. So, like, yeah. so it doesn't, I don't describe it as hurt. Go ahead. Um, I would say that my experience, my personal experience is not as useful as all, all the people I've coached, is they get addicted to the system one and they become bad at system two thinking. I'm, I'm sorry. That's, that's what happens. I mean, I, I can remember very clearly asking an executive, well, what do you think about this? He says, I, I don't know what you want me to say. Like, yeah. what? <laughs> what? I mean, <laughs> this division, this part of this division is going to go away. What, is, what, is, what do you think it means? And what do you think we ought to do? I, I, I don't know what you want me to say. This guy was trying to come up with 5,000 action steps rather than go up to 30,000 feet. And let's make sure, let's make sure that we're headed in the right direction, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, if you're in Los Angeles and you're going to New York, you don't say, let's start by going Southwest. You just probably don't do that. Um, so to me, it's not a question of hurting. I know I, I, I like that word you use. I just think people become less good at it and they avoid it because they get a little addicted to the busyness and the, the energy and the excitement. And hey, look at me, I'm problem solving. Of course, the problem is executives ought to only be solving big problems. Right. Yeah. Because of managerial economics. Yeah. Exactly. And so I, I like I like the way you put that. I think I think uh, look, one of the things that I'd love to do the most, and you know this is read, right? I love to yeah. read. Yeah. Oh yeah. And you know, it took me about two months after leaving my last full time job to be able to sit still for more than fifteen minutes Ooh. and read. It because was that intense. I developed this kind of yeah. late stage attention deficit issue where I would expect, you know, I, you know the interruptions come in. And even when yeah. you have people, and you know, I delegated whole, whole ownership. I didn't delegate tasks. Yeah, yeah. Right, right. But still, customers would call. Salespeople would come in and say, you know, we don't want to talk about this or that. And um, I, I got bad. I, th I think that's a good way to put it, Mark. I got bad yeah. system to thinking. So, yeah, okay. And, and here's why it's scary, right? Because you're an executive, right? And it's yeah. a big privilege. That's really kind of what they pay you for. I hate to say it. Because <laughs> if nobody, if, if the executive aren't doing it, if the executives aren't doing it, who's doing it? Yeah. Right? Because you can't, companies just don't magically run on into the future forever. The world is changing often enough. There needs to be they don't. big picture thinking all the time. I mean, every quarter. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I had some mentors who were really quite good at this, Mark. They, could, they knew when to pull themselves off the line and do right. some deep thinking. They would come in with incredible insights. 
um, which I aspired to do. Um, right. But, um, yeah. you know, it, it, I really, ultimately, I needed a process. Um, yeah. And everyone's counting on you, right, as an executive. Oh. Just everybody, yeah. right? And people expect you to be conscious and deliberate, and you need to be. So that's- yeah, I would also say that that a, a lot of people, and I'm sorry, it's true for even some in our community, they 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 want to be an executive because of the role, because of the power, because of the money, because of the prestige. And I promise you, the role, the power, the money, and the prestige will not be enough to satisfy you when you feel the burden if you really get your job. I mean. The reason layoffs happen is because executives didn't do their job. Right. So when your company lays somebody off, you're the one that's doing it. It's your fault. I, I If that doesn't make you lay awake at night, I don't know what would. All right. So too many executives are in that system one thinking mode. Too many of them are reactive. And what you have done, what you've experienced is that if I take some time, set it aside, uh, I, I get so much benefit from it that it's you, you've never stopped doing it. You say like, I, I don't have any problem doing another waypoint because every time I do it, I get so many benefits, the hour, the 10 hours or 20 hours, or whatever, 13 hours is, has been useful. And so now can we get into a little bit of the tactics? Can you tell me, I mean, now we're getting into manager tools territory a little bit, like you're going to tell me what to do a little bit. Yeah. I mean, okay. I mean, right. look, I think, I think we just spent a lot of time making the case. Right. Yeah. So let's talk about what we're going to do. Right. Let's dig in. Yeah. All right? Yeah. Good. And I, look, I I don't think we could just tell executives just do X. I don't think they'll. No. They'd be like, yeah, no. Think again. No. I'm thinking about David Walsh, who I just talked to the other day. He's in Evansville, Indiana, and right. I could see him going. I could just feel him raising an eyebrow and going, "Really? Yeah. You're just going to tell me what to do right away?" No. Here's what I'm going to say. This works for me. Okay. And it's worked for people that I work with. But everybody right. tunes this. Yeah. Everybody tunes yeah. this, right? This is a knob you oh, can turn yeah. up and turn down. Um, I, I tell you, the other tune I have is I might take a week and I'd be at a hotel by myself and I'd go play golf. I'd, I'd probably work for three or four hours in the morning and then I'd go play golf mm-hmm. and I'd be thinking about it the whole time and then I'd have a nice dinner and then I'd start the next day because I've learned the one thing I will absolutely be maniacal about is my time. And if this is important, then it gets more time. It's as simple as that. And more important, more time. Sounds good. And I would say this is yeah. definitely an elastic process. You can stretch it yeah. out. Yeah. You can compress it, right? Yeah. So let's good. talk about okay. it. So, so the prep Preparate. is the stuff that's so, about So we, we okay. I'm sorry, you, you made a case. We're assuming that they're on board, right? We, we you know, you said you got to make space for it. So we're assuming we're talking to somebody who's made the, the headspace for this. Yeah. And so we're going to tell him or her what to do. That's good. Right. All right. Thanks for listening to this first part, folks. And uh, come back shortly and we'll do parts two and part three as well. It's a long discussion, but it's worth it. See you in a couple of weeks. Yeah.